the game's all about. All of a sudden, you feel like you can't miss. I'm just leave it up there. You couldn't make that if you tried that again. Absolutely not. Welcome to Buckets. My name is Matt Moore. I'm the senior NBA writer for the Action Network. I'm joined by Brandon Anderson, NBA and NFL writer for the Action Network. Today's show is the big picture. On this show every week, we go over whatever is the happenings, whatever's the latest drama in the NBA. And this week, well, it's all about the ones at the top that we thought were going to roll through everybody. Not quite rolling through everybody. Reminder. That if you want to track your bets, if you want to get up to the second information on where the money and tickets are coming in on, if you want to get signs of where the sharps are betting, if you want to get our crack analysis from the Action Network team, all of that and more you can find in the Action Network app available on mobile devices everywhere. Download it immediately. If you are not using it, it is the absolute best way for you to track your plays. You can follow Brandon Anderson and his killer props analysis, as well as his usually very great NFL analysis that took a pretty big beating yesterday. Uh, which is impressive because the Sharps somehow took a beating and you took a beating. Congrats on that, buddy. Uh, you can also track Chris Raybon, the Pick Six Pod, or the, I'm sorry, the six, Sunday Six Pack podcast. And there are shows are on there. Heat Check, which we do every Wednesday at uh, six o'clock Eastern, is our live show streaming on at Action Network HQ. I don't want to toot my own horn, but I went 2-0 this week, and ooh, Raheem did not. So Raheem and my guy Chris Raybon did not go perfect. So your boy's on top, which is the only time I'm going to be able to say that about betting this year. Uh, also, check out the other great podcasts on the network, including the Action Network podcast that's got Brandon and Raheem on Mondays and Fridays, including the indispensable, invaluable amazing hot read as well as a Sunday six pack. Like I mentioned on late Wednesday, early Thursday, make sure to check out the fantasy flex, make sure to check out our new soccer football podcast. Wonder goal, wonder goal. And uh, make sure to check out all the other great shows on action network. You can get all the information by following us on Twitter at action network HQ. Enough of the promos. This is the big picture. Okay. The big picture for this week is that the teams that were the title favorites coming in, that were teams at the top, teams that we expected to be dominant. Although I will say, starting in preseason, we started to like, it's funny to look back at where we were in like August, Brandon, because we were like, oh, these teams are going to roll. There's no other play. Like, what else can you do? And then in preseason, here's the thing. If these teams had started off badly and it was just the first couple of games, but we didn't really, but we started to kind of be like, oh boy, something's a little bit curious. And it starts with your NBA title favorite still at plus 250 was the longest I was able to find it. Your Brooklyn Nets, after a loss to the Charlotte Hornets, they are one and two. They got absolutely destroyed by Brooklyn. They got beat by the Hornets and they scraped by the Sixers without Simmons just by the skin of their teeth. So... I ask you, Brandon Anderson, first, on a, let's, let's do DEFCON, okay? Five, everything's fine. Four, and it's like, okay, I'm aware of some concerns. Three is I'm on alert. Two is yikes. And one is nuclear apocalypse. On that scale, where are you at with the Brooklyn Nets? It's a good scale. I like that. So I think on the Brooklyn Nets, I think I'm a DEFCON two, two and a half. I'm worried that this, it's not looking good. And I think that my, my DEFCON rating is maybe a DEFCON one on James Harden. That's the real concern Ooh. here. Uh, I, I am very worried about James Harden, at least for now. 
I don't know yet. Is this an early James Harden? It was a rough summer. I'm working my way into shape. We saw that last year under different circumstances. I'm wondering if it's maybe kind of like we saw with Luka Doncic last year, just kind of like, yeah, well, had a nice summer. Here I am, guys. This is the preseason, right? Oh, these ones count. It's fine. I'll get back into shape. We'll be good to go. So I'm, I'm vacillating between does this matter? If I don't know if this matters to these guys, then I don't know if it should matter to us betting it. But right now it's a concern. There are a lot of warning signs about Harden. Durant has been awesome. We knew the rest of the roster wasn't going to be great. The whole thing was, we'll have Durant and Harden. They'll be fine. But right now they have one of those two. The other guy's not shown up yet. Well, and it wasn't just Durant and Harden. It was supposed to be Durant and Harden and Kyrie. And now... Yeah, that guy. Yeah, yeah, and that guy. So no Kyrie. Harden's fascinating, and he's, you know, look, he's... Harden has earned this, right? He was a master of manipulating contact. And like, look, I, I don't... I'm not one that has criticized him for this because for me, I saw Monty Ginobili do it. I've seen lots of players get a, like do it. Like manipulating contact and drawing fouls is part of the NBA. And Harden is honestly brilliant at the way he does it, like hooking arms, you know, putting his arms up through defenders that were outreached in order to pull their, like basically slam his arms into their arm on his arms to draw a foul. Those kind of things. Hasn't had a game of more than nine free throws. Just almost no free throws for him. And that's a huge part of his game. It helps with his efficiency. But more than that, though, it's easy to clown him for that. There was a comment this morning, Jackson Frank commented on this, that he looks like he lacks burst. And that's true. He looks slow. And that could be attributed to the conditioning stuff you're talking about. But additionally to me, he looks uninterested. And this Nets roster in general looks uninspired. So the question is, if you're judging whether or not to bet, like I will just tell you objectively, this cannot be like they, they look bad and have a whole bunch of concerns. And the number has moved a dime from 240, which is where it was going into the season. Like it's still 220 at some places because some books have upgraded them based off of how the Lakers have looked. And we'll get there in a second. But now is definitely not the time to be betting the Nets. Right. Right before the season tips, I will go ahead and tell you that uh, I put in two bets. I bet the Sixers to win the division and I bet Celtics to go one Nets to go two in exact order at DraftKings. Um, I did that based largely off of the fact that when I looked at everything that had gone on with Kyrie and then I just kept coming back to this and I am the, the running joke is that I have to mention Blake Griffin is their best defensive weapon in the front court. Every single time I have a podcast on, I think I've mentioned it across like four different podcasts, five times. I'll say this. They started Claxton and Claxton's been a disaster. Like Nick Claxton was supposed to be the good defensive front man. And he's been bad. We know LaMarcus Aldridge can like, they don't have any rim protection. They're giving up. Seth Park now had a number this morning about the number of percentage of open threes that they're surrendering. I looked it up and they're surrendering the seventh most threes overall per hundred possessions in terms of attempts. That's really concerning. You don't want to be giving up a high number of attempts because you're victim to a lot of variance then. And then beyond that, they're also seventh worst in field goal percentage allowed at the rim and seventh worst in field goals made at the rim per game. Like, they're getting beat in the Maury areas. That's a real concern. You can the the Hornets yesterday in that game. We're recording this on Monday. The Hornets basically 
down the stretch knew that they could get an open three or a layup on every single possession. And they just went back and forth between them. Um, not to, you know, cross cross sport comparisons are always rough, Brandon, but I'll just go ahead and put this one out there. Uh, my Kansas city chiefs are finding the limitations of what happens when you're trying to hold up a bad defense, a truly awful defense with an incredible offense built around one amazing player. There's limitations for that. And everyone kind of brushed it off. And I'm just here to tell you, like, I don't know that the Nets have that much talent outside of Durant, especially if Harden's going to look like this. Joe Harris hasn't looked great. Like what player has looked good on the Brooklyn Nets? Like what player has looked impactful on the Brooklyn Nets? Not to harp on it, but to me, that's why so much of this comes back to James Harden because he is the guy that is supposed to create the advantages for these other players. Joe Harris is an awesome shooter. Joe Harris needs James Harden to get him the awesome shots. And he's not getting those for him as well right now. Like who else on the Nets roster can just go and and kind of create their own shot outside of the two. Patty can do a little bit. That's about it. Like the, the big men that they have, these are all at this stage of the career. And then maybe even for a while, they're complimentary guys. They're guys that need James Harden to, to do the stuff for them. And he's not doing the stuff right now. So <laughs> I looked at Harden too. I, I was concerned, you know, obviously the free throws are down. He's at, he's averaging through three games. So sample size, of course, but through three games, he's at three free throw attempts per game. It was already down last year, 7.3 per game last year, 11.8 the year before. So that's obviously a troubling trend, but it's early. I think we're seeing this with other guys too. We've seen before you make the rule change. We get a lot of emphasis for like two weeks and then it kind of rebalances. Everyone complains. It goes back to me though. There are more things than the free throws. So some of the other numbers I found James Harden's turnover percentage, 24% so far, that is awful. That's almost 50% higher than usual. So for usual for him, that is. So that's a big increase for him. His true shooting percentage is down from 62 to 52%. And that's a couple of things. Number one, the free throws going away. His free throw rate is 18%. He's been at 50% for the last five years, basically. So he's not drawing the free throws. More importantly to me, the two-pointers. He has averaged over the last five years, five and a half two-pointers per game, 54%. This year, he's averaging 3.3 twos per game, 39%. That's not James Harden ball. The whole thing with Harden is like you said, the Mori ball, the threes, and then the shots at the rim. And it's concerning to me that the attempts are down and that he's not converting those anymore. So again, I don't know why. Is that because of the foul rule and guys are being physical, so he can't get there? Is it because he's not out of shape? Is it because he's not driving as voraciously attacking the rim? Yes, I think all of those. I don't know what the ratio is. Um, I do wonder... With this construction of the roster, you know, we're talking about who else on this team is good, who can do stuff. Boy, they could really use a guy who could create his own shot at any moment, who's like a 50, 40, 90 shooter. You know, they could use some shooting and spacing and a creator. If if they could trade for someone like that, that would be great. Maybe someone that takes up 20% of the cap, like that could be helpful for this team. But But here's the thing, even if they had Kyrie, right? Because like, look, with Katie on the floor, um, this season in this very limited, small sample size theater, blah, 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 blah. Um, with Katie on the court, 
They st- they've got a 105 offensive rating, which is not good. They got a 99.5 offensive rating with Harden on the floor. That's yeah. wild. Yeah, Harden like, is the Nets are minus 14.2 per hundred possessions with Harden on the court this season. Which but here's the is thing. Bad. You know, even if you had even if you had uh Kyrie, they're giving up 112 with KD on the court. Like the defense would still be a problem. This is the kind of thing is like they don't they only have one way to win, which is like Joe Harris bombs a ton of threes. KD puts up 30. Harden puts up 20. And then, you know, without uh, Kyrie, I guess Blake Griffin and LaMarcus Aldridge combined for 20-ish. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's to me, though, my interpretation of this is back to the cross-sport analogy that you made. The Chiefs offense is doing just fine. Yeah. They're they're still near the top of the league. Right. The Nets offense to me is the problem. We knew the defense was going to be this bad. Look at the roster. Of course it was going to be bad. But last year the offense was historically great and made up for it. And when you have Durant and Harden and Kyrie, that's the goal. The goal is not to build this great defensive team. You know you're not going to. They're 23rd in offensive rating. They're 25th in assist rate. It feels like they're just kind of like Harden and Durant, my turn, your turn. And and let's say too, Kevin Durant is awesome. Durant has been awesome. He's 33, 10 and six right now. He had a triple double. Durant is not a guy who as much as the other absolute superstars in this league. He's not a guy who elevates the other offensive players around him as much as a LeBron or a typical Harden. He's just a guy that gets his and does his thing, but he's not normally the, like, he's not the answer to this question as much. He's going to keep doing his thing, but that's why it's so much of it comes back to Harden. The roster, too. I wonder, I was looking at last year's roster. I think they missed Jeff Green. Yep. Is that a sentence? That's a yes. real sentence. No, yeah. I said, like I said this, like Jeff Green is viable, physical, small ball five, switchable player. Like, yeah, they absolutely miss Jeff Green. They do. 100%. Like, I, I, I wonder. With this construction of the roster, a thing I noticed about Harden too, obviously Harden needs to be much better. Does Harden, if we assume Kyrie's just out for the foreseeable future, which I think we're assuming at this point, does James Harden need to revert to high, high usage James Harden? The the mode with the more threes, the step backs and all that, I think he needs to. They're not going to. They're not one. I don't think they have the shooters. Like you don't have P.J. Tucker, Aaron Gordon, Eric Gordon on this team. Like – Joe Harris is a, is an awesome off the cat shooter, but he also needs to be rotating off of screens, which isn't necessarily the same thing. And you, you definitely are not going to go to Harden dribble in the air out of the ball while Katie stands in the corner. Like now you could argue that in the bench in the non Katie Harden minutes, you need to do that. Maybe that works, you know, but even then who's your rim finisher? Like who's your, who's your lob threat? Yeah, no, certainly they don't want to go to that offense that like that version of it. I just wonder if, like Harden's three-point attempts are about 50% lower now than they were a few years ago. Yep. With this construction, I just wonder if, like, it's not pretty. I don't want to watch it, but we might just need Harden to take, like, five more step-back threes a game. He's proven he can be efficient enough at those, and I don't know if they have enough other options there. So, to me, so so how are you betting the Nets right now? When it comes to just any old game right now on the schedule, are you willing to put any money on the Nets right now? No. Um, so I, I bet the Hornets yesterday, I live bet the, the Nets plus two and a half, uh, cause I got nervous going into the fourth quarter and that was a mistake. My usual, you're sitting pretty and you get too cute with it live bet. And then 
I, you know, we're recording this on Monday, so maybe they smash the Wizards, right? Maybe they come out and they just destroy them. But I've got the Wizards and, you know, I've got a model that's still baking in regular season numbers. So it's wonky right now. But right now it's got the Wizards favored. Like, so I'm I'm on the Wizards because I'm getting eight and a half points. The market is not moving. Like KD's plus 600 to win MVP. The Nets are still the title favorite at MGM. Like the, the book's like, nope, not doing it. Nope. Not, we're not going to give you any sort of edge here. You're not getting in on this on this after three games. Not going to do it. it. They struggle the first month. Those numbers will go down and maybe there's an opportunity. But right now, I think that they're either a fade game by game or they're a stay away. Yeah, for me, I think uh, I don't want my money on Nets covers, which is obviously they're, they're going to be favored. I don't want any part of that. I don't really want my money on the opponent covering because – like I just think this is this is an all or nothing. Did the Nets show up and feel like show and playing tonight and playing offense? Great. If not, like if I'm going to bet on a Nets game right now, I'm going to take the money line for the opponent. I'm going to try to max the odds and just say, okay, did did the Hornets show up and look good and tried hard? Did the Wizards do that? I'm going to take my chances and try to get some wins. I I mean I, I see it. You're right. You could have banked on the on the Hornets money line yesterday. I'll just say that like I think. Yesterday was was maybe not definitely, but maybe a low point, maybe not, but maybe a low point. Um, what's gonna be interesting? They've got a back to back as we record this versus those Wizards, right? Let's say they win. Let's say they win that game. They've got a three and four on Wednesday versus Miami, and I'm gonna be real interested to see what the line is on that game because, like preseason, I would expect it like what four and a half maybe less, maybe three and a half. Yeah. But if they, if they were to drop that game to the wizards, I mean, it just gets, to, I mean, Lowry is. Yeah. And this thing. does not, the, the way that they're, you talked about this, their effort, they, they look like a team that wants this to not quite be so hard. Yeah. And Miami is really not the team you want to face. If yeah. that's how you're feeling that night. I mean, they need to get, here's the thing though. It's like they need to get some easy games and that was supposed to be Charlotte. <laughs> yeah. And, and Washington. So yeah. we'll, we'll see how, by the time that you listen to this one, we'll see how, how this turns out. The other team, I think that's obviously off to a really rough start. Uh, the resurgence after one win <laughs> in which Carmel Anthony scored 28 and they shot 53% from three Los Angeles Lakers. Oh boy. Um, I'll say I'm less concerned about, I'm, I'm on the other side of this. Most people are more concerned about the Lakers than they are the Nets. I'm more concerned about the Nets today and the Lakers, but I would say that that DefCon, I'm probably like a solid three and a half with the Nets, and I'm at a four with the Lakers. Um, I don't think last night's result, again, we're recording Monday, so the win versus the Grizzlies was sustainable. Like, if you just look at it, it's like Carmel had his game where everyone goes like, they tried to put him out of the league. They said this man couldn't play. They showed him Mello, stay Mello. And then Mello's going to go out and shoot two of eight and be a minus 15 over the next, like, five games. And no one will say anything. And he'll just go under the radar. And then he'll have another game. Oh, they said that he couldn't play. It's ridiculous. But they shot really great last night. They got... They got a lot of three-point shooting. They're still shorthanded. There's such an adjustment with Russ. The spacing still doesn't look good. They're still starting DeAndre Jordan. Um, the big key here, though, is I honestly think, like, their schedule at the beginning of the season, like, their next, like, seven opponents are pretty easy overall. And I think that'll give them an opportunity to figure this stuff out, just overwhelm teams, because, like, LeBron's sharp as attack. Like, he looks amazing. And they look good enough. 
like I th- I'm in the same place I think we were in preseason, which is like, look, this team's probably going to figure it out. They're going to win some games because they got an insane amount of talent in the playoffs. I don't think we want any part of them. Yeah, I'm with you on on the DEFCON rating. I am much less worried about the Lakers than I'm about the Nets. I was going to say DEFCON three and a half, maybe a four for the Lakers. So there are some concerns, but they really are the concerns that we already knew were the concerns. They're Russell Westbrook. They're Carmel Anthony. Like, we knew that this is what we were getting coming in. It's important to remember... They're missing Ariza. They're missing none. Ellington, Horton Tucker. Those are probably four of their top, what, eight or nine rotation guys. Like, I don't care if that's sad. It's the fact that's what this roster is supposed to be. So this is not the end version of the team. To me with the Lakers, it's the opposite of the Nets. The Lakers offense has been kind of okay so far. And granted, they're being helped by that big mellow scoring game. LeBron probably not going to keep hitting like five threes a night, shooting 50% almost. So maybe the offense is a little bit uh, over what it's going to be. To me, the defense is what's been really bad here. So Lakers are number 22 in defensive rating. They're dead last in free throw rates. They're hacking dudes. They're around average on effective field goal percentage. That was a hallmark of the team the last few years is they just didn't let you get the shots that you wanted. And they were, you know, really impacting those near the rim. And it's not doing it yet. But that seems normal to me. We're three games in to an entirely new roster. Defense takes time. You got to figure out how you're going to defend, how you're going to play. And we know with Mello, with Russ, there may not be an immediate solution in that way. But defense, this was going to take some time, I think, to figure out. So uh, I'm a little less concerned just because I think I trust Vogel. I trust the defense to come around as much as it's going to in time. And certainly getting those guys on the wing back will help defensively uh, getting into the rotation. You you said that you like how LeBron looks. The numbers don't like how LeBron looks right now. LeBron's yeah. numbers and profile overall, 26, 6, and 5. The rebounding is way down, about 50% as usual. The 5 is a big problem. His assist rate right now is 23%. He's been 43% for the last five years. So that's about half of his usual. Uh, The free throw attempts are also down. So I'm wondering if, are are we getting some of the same things with LeBron as with James Harden right now? Some of the same numbers that are down for Harden are being reflected in LeBron. The free throws are down. His two-point attempts for LeBron are down. He's only 45% on twos right now, and his attempts are a little bit low. Usually he's about 60% on that. Some of the same things are there. So is it a similar thing? Is it even just, it's been a weird two years. We didn't really have our normal off season. My body isn't supposed to be playing basketball yet. Just give it a month or two. I'm working back into shape and I'm not going to push it. Like, is, is it just these super duper stars that are like, settle down. The games that matter are a long ways away. I'm just going to get there. Uh, 47% from the field. 48% from three, 67% from the line. Uh, EFG of 58.3%. That would be higher than any season of his since 2018. Uh, he just added a massive usage player in Russell Westbrook. Like, I would actually say that we're seeing the opposite here, where LeBron's numbers are lower because he added a guy, and that makes these numbers make more sense. Harden lost a guy. And his numbers are down, which makes you a lot more concerned. Like there's nobody else that's ball dominant 
on the Nets besides KD. Like Patty Mills has been f- fantastic for them. He's been their second best player. Patty's not like a ball dominant heliocentric player. No. He's not Kyrie. So like Harden's numbers are concerning. LeBron's I think are just genuinely a product of having Russ around. And like you know, the assist numbers, I'd have to look them up. I'll have to check them. But I'm going to wager that some of that is that in the first two games, they shot like absolute garbage, <laughs> right? Like you don't get assists if, you're, if your teammates are, or can't hit the broad side of a barn. Last night they found, I will say this, in the fourth quarter versus the Grizzlies, they found some stuff that's going to work. In particular, what I liked was they ran short roll with LeBron at point guard, Russ screening for him, found Russ on the short roll, Russ attacks the basket. The help man comes over Westbrook dishes to Davis for a dunk. Like that's how it should work. Like you'll get, you'll either get a Davis dunk or a Davis short baseline jumper wide open catch and shoot. You'll get that eight out of 10 times. And the other two, you're probably going to, well, six out of 10 times, two of them, you're going to turn it over. Russ is going to miss a a layup and two of them, you're going to find an open three. So like, That, that's the kind of stuff that they can do that will actually create better offense. Like this is what a lot of it is, is um, it's actually funny. You can't run pick and roll with LeBron and AD when Russ is spacing. So you have to run it with Russ and LeBron in order to get Russ moving. And that opens up AD. And like, honestly, I think that's a really good set. This is why, like, this is what I envision. I wrote about this, about Davis, about Westbrook finding Davis on what I described as Abaca assists, where back in like two th- in the Thunder days, this is the exact same stuff that Russ would do, getting Abaca a bunch of easy buckets. So, uh, look, I think last night was an aberration. I don't think they're going to shoot as well from three. I don't think LeBron's going to shoot 48% from three for the season. Um, I think that they'll they'll slide on that front. Um, and I don't expect Carmel Anthony to be a positive player for them at any point this season. I think history has shown consistently. On the other hand, I will say, like, look, last night, you know, they got the win and all this. But Russ had 13 points on 15 shots and was a minus eight. LeBron was minus one. They got outscored with LeBron on the court. They got outscored with Davis on the court. They got outscored with Westbrook on the court. And they won because Malik Monk went four of seven for 12 points and Carmelo Anthony went for 28. If Melo has, has a normal night for his career, that's a loss. The Grizzlies played really well. The Grizzlies, I think are one of, have been one of the most impressive teams. Um, betting wise, I'll say, I don't think there's value on LeBron for MVP because like we just talked about, I think he's playing well, but his numbers aren't there. And, you know, wind wise, they may be in a, a hole here for a little bit until they get things sorted out. So I don't expect them to like dominate and go on, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if by Christmas they're a one or two seed, but I, you know, I think that there's a chance that they could take some time to get up there and get the win totals. Right. Um, I think Davis, all those futures for MVP are dead. Like Anthony Davis is never going to be the best player on this team. Get over it, but just get used to it. He's never going to be the best player on this team. It's great. He's athletic. He's a really great, def- he's a, he, Anthony Davis is one of the five best defenders in the league. He's not the best defender in this league. He's not the second best defender in this league. He's not the third best defender in this league. Not. He's just not. He's really good. He's not. Um, and offensively, he falls down more times than I think he makes buckets. Like, so I don't have a lot of confidence in any sort of futures play. The Lakers odds, I will say, are like, I've seen a 550 floating around this morning for title. We're we're getting into the range where I'm going to feel compelled to bet them to because of, you know, how many teams I bet to win the title. I'm going to need to add them to the portfolio or at least start looking at finals matchup odds as well, where if this gets above six to one, 
how do I not? Yeah, I, I don't know. Russell Westbrook, yeah. it, can that be the answer to the question? I I don't know. I, I'm not ready to go in on the title odds still until we can see what's happening with the Westbrook thing. And I'm wondering too, so Westbrook, we know that it was going to be rough. We knew that the numbers were going to be bad. 12, 8, and 9. So it's like, all right, after that first game, hey, Westbrook, he's getting his numbers again. The, the scoring is a little down, but he's he's doing his near triple-double thing. Now, the numbers are, are very bad. So j- just to point out from three games so far, 80 offensive rating with Westbrook on the court. Oh. The Lakers are minus 31.2 per 100 possessions. By the way, they're plus 35.8 with Melo on the court. So just take take Russ out, put Melo on, problem solved. Just kidding. Uh, Westbrook is at 5.7 turnovers per game. And that's lower usage, Westbrook. That's yeah. a big problem. 26% yeah. turnover rate. His free throws are down. He's 37% true shooting. That's uh, not great. Uh, his shots at the rim actually are about as usual. He's getting to the rim but he's only finishing 50% there. He's usually around 65%. So I don't know. That's bad. I will say about Anthony Davis, one silver lining I see so far, the minutes for those other centers that we thought were going to maybe be taking everything up. Davis has actually played more than half his minutes at center. Do you know what he's shooting at the rim so far this season? What would you guess? 85%. 84%. 84%. Very well done. Yeah. Points for you. He's normally in like the low 70s. But this 84% is, the thing. is pretty ridiculous. He's going to get those easy points you're talking about. Yeah, this is it. It's like he's going to he's going to look good because Russ is going to make him look good. And Russ won't get any of the credit for that. Like, I, I think Russ is a, a flawed player yeah. and it's complicated. and The shooting's a problem. But I hear all of that. I don't disagree with it. I'm just saying you can't act like Russell Westbrook doesn't do anything. Like this is where I get annoyed with the Russ conversation is when people try and make it out to where he's just a net negative in every single aspect. He's net negative. I can't argue with it. Like they've been killed with him on the court. He's been terrible. Um, But he is going to create as it goes along. He's going to create a lot of easy. He's going to make life very easy for Anthony Davis, which is one of the reasons I think they got him. So yeah, we'll, we'll see how it goes. I'll, I'll say this. If I'm going to bet the Lakers right now. So on our draft, I took the Lakers over. I'm not loving it. I, I'm not, I, I'm not feeling great about that, but what's done is done. I can't say I'd recommend that you go take the over right now. The over I would take is a Lakers game. Lakers overs. The Lakers are number one in pace right now. They're number one in three point percentage, which probably not going to last once Olympic mellow and LeBron slow down a little bit, but the number four and three point attempts, you know, when, when Monk and mellow coming off the bench, they're just firing away, which I think that's pretty good. Like we want LeBron surrounded by shooters willing to just gun from deep. So given that and the way that the defense isn't shaping up yet, I think Lakers overs an angle that I'd look to play in the short term while they kind of figure things out. The Lakers have the fourth worst half court defense in the NBA through three games. That like, seems bad. Well, it's like three games. They played some top. I will say this, right? Like they played the Warriors. Awesome. Uh, the Suns, we'll get to in a second. That's a little bit of a yikes. And then the Grizzlies, who have been one of the best teams so far. So I think like this is it very much is like they face some really good teams. Um, yeah. We'll see how this goes once they start facing. Like they can beat up on the on the worst opponents and just use their physicality and get settled in. This is good. They just need to get past this early season. Hey, Lakers, national TV, blah, 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 blah. Let's get past that and they'll be okay. Before we get out of here, one more thing. Uh, I want to touch on the Phoenix Suns. So 
I took the under on the Suns and got a lot of flack, predictably, from Phoenix fans. Did not like that. Why would they be worse? How could they possibly? How could they be? This was actually a line of thinking I got. How could they have a worse record than the Nuggets? They swept them in the playoffs. That's that's not how this works. That's not how this works at all, guys. Um, However, it's been three games. They'll probably be fine. I'm at like a DEFCON four and a half. I'm a little, I, I got a note of concern getting going into, you know, losing to the nuggets on the, on the home opener. Mm, that's a little concerning, right? Looking tired and flat. That was one thing. They beat the Lakers who are, we've just discussed are pretty bad right now. And then on the back to back, they go in and they get absolutely smacked by Portland, like destroyed by Portland. Um, there's a lot of conversations about, well, they started slow last year. I just got to stress this. If you're betting, I would not be like, well, they started low last year. They'll be fine. Um, whether you're betting them on futures or whatever, this is not last year. Do not do that. Like do, do not, do not bet based off of they started off slow last year and they improved. There's nothing about this team that you can look at and go, well, this team is built to start slow and give, they're not that old. Right. Like, if it's the 2010 Celtics, I expect them to start slow because they're ancient and they have to work their way into it. But I, I'm just not necessarily sold on that idea is like super convincing for this. So I really want to see like how their week shapes up. I want to see how this goes because I have a, a, a note of concern. Phoenix looks a little tired. They look a little off. They don't look as sharp. I want to see how this goes. They got a very interesting game on Wednesday versus Sacramento. Um, the Kings have been surprisingly good from a metric standpoint, one and two, but so are the Suns. I'm going to be very interested to see how that game goes and whether Phoenix at home looks more like Phoenix or not. Yeah, my DEFCON rating for the Suns, I, I don't think I have a DEFCON rating for them. My, my take on the Suns is that when we included them on our list of things to talk about today, I thought to myself, why are we talking about the title contenders and the Suns? Like, I, to me, coming into the season, the Suns were a clear tier down from these top teams. And I even had them toward the bottom of that tier down. Like when they're playing Denver and losing, playing at Portland on a back-to-back and losing, those are the teams that are in that same tier. And I kind of expected Phoenix to be in the bottom of that group. So those are not really super surprising losses to me. I'm not so worried yet about Phoenix, but digging into the numbers a little bit, so the offense hasn't been great. Booker shooting hasn't been there. Crowder has stunk so far. That happens. This, that's Booker and Crowder. They, they go hot and cold. Their shooting will come around. The problem that I'm seeing the numbers right now is the defense. They're dead last in effective field goal percentage on defense. Ooh. 59%. Ooh. 59. Like that's Ooh. basically just allowing layups. <laughs> yep. So that's a problem. And... I don't know what the problem is there. I haven't been able to watch close enough to see that, but you know, dead last on anything, three games or not sample or not back-to-backs or not that, that is a problem. And the defense I think is what really stepped up in the playoff run last year. And we saw that from Aiden, a big jump forward, Mikhail Bridges, obviously. So I need to see what's happening with the defense here. They're 25th on defensive rating, 20th on offensive rating. The offense, I think, will be fine. Offense was never quite, like, it's not a super efficient profile because they don't draw a ton of free throws and they don't usually shoot a huge number of threes, which is the case again this year. That's just the guys that they have. But the defense needs to be a lot better than that. So 
my I went from a non-DEFCON rating to maybe a four and a half. I, I need to keep an eye on the defense to see what's here, but I, I'm not so worried about losing to Denver and Portland. Those are teams that I think are, are fine to beat them. So <laughs> your, your thing is you're like, it's not concerning about them underperforming because they're not expected to be perform better than they're that, not so. underperforming yeah, my yeah, expectations. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that's the thing is there was, there was a conversation about like some people did put Phoenix in that top tier, you know, they, they did. And like, maybe they still do it's three games, whatever, you know, that, that was kind of a, a prior for some folks going in. We were a little bit more skeptical on them for a number of reasons I outlined in the win profile, but it's very interesting to watch. You mentioned the effective field goal percentage, maybe a good note for them. They have the highest differential between uh, expected and actual. So they're actually 12th in, they have the 12th highest in expected, which is not great, but it's not so bad, but teams are just shooting way, 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 way better than they should. Now, some of that's just defense, but something to keep an eye out there. Yeah. That's uh, beta via second spectrum. That's going to wrap it up for buckets. Thanks for joining us. Make sure to wrap, download the Action Network app. Check out all the great shows. We will be back for Best Bets. You'll get that episode Wednesday morning with me and Raheem Palmer going over Best Bets and teaching you how to bet the NBA on that slate so you can take those lessons forward throughout the week. Until next time, make sure to, to follow Brandon Anderson in the Action Network app and on Twitter. You can follow him on Twitter at Wheaton Brando. You can follow me on Twitter at HP Basketball. We'll see you guys again next time on Buckets.